Have you ever felt a twinge of worry about AI taking over your job or diluting your creativity? Well, what if you could turn that fear into creative fuel? We've just published an amazing new ebook called The Four Keys to Success in an AI World. And this is more than just a guide. It's a deep exploration into the human skills that AI can't touch. The skills that are essential for standing out and thriving, no matter how much technology evolved. We're talking about real differentiators here, like creativity, emotional intelligence, critical thinking, and much more. Inside, you'll find actionable insights and strategies to develop these skills, whether you're a creative person, a business person, or just simply someone who loves personal development. This isn't a story about tech taking over. It's a story of human creativity thriving alongside AI. Picture this, AI as your creative co-pilot, not just as a tool, but a collaborator that enhances your unique human skills. The Four Keys ebook will show you exactly how to do that and view AI in a new way that empowers you instead of overshadows you. Transform your creative potential today. Head over to unmistakablecreative.com slash four keys. Use the number four, K-E-Y-S. That's unmistakablecreative.com slash four keys and download your free copy. Everybody, everybody has environments and they're either inspiring you or they're expiring you. They're either adding energy or they're draining energy. They're either increasing your focus or they're decreasing your focus. And so if you look around your environment right now, there's probably some things that pull you up and there's some things that pull you down. But instead of trying to use willpower to change your mind and change your behaviors, what if you just designed environments that, that caused you naturally to be pulled into a better you? I'm Srini Rao, and this is the Unmistakable Creative Podcast, where you get a window into the stories and insights of the most innovative and creative minds who've started movements, built thriving businesses, written best-selling books, and created insanely interesting art. For more, check out our 500-episode archive at unmistakablecreative.com. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard. But now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. Hi, I'm Una Chaplin, and I'm the host of a new podcast called Hollywood Exiles. It tells the story of how my grandfather, Charlie Chaplin, and many others were caught up in a campaign to root out communism in Hollywood. It's a story of glamour and scandal and political intrigue and a battle for the soul of a nation. Hollywood Exiles from CBC Podcasts and the BBC World Service. Find it wherever you get your podcasts. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com. 
Let's talk about aging. It's inevitable, right? But what if I told you there's a new way to age led by Solgar Cellular Nutrition? They believe, and I do too, that you can transform the way you age cell by cell with the power of cellular nutrition. As we age, our cellular function declines. Your regular multivitamins and minerals might not be enough to combat these age-related declines, and that's where Solgar Cellular Nutrition comes in. It's formulated with targeted cellular nutrients that work with your body's natural processes deep inside your cells to help you fight cellular decline and promote cell health across three benefit areas. It supports cell energy, repair, and vitality, muscle strength, and even glutathione production to help protect cells. So let's own our healthy aging narrative. Visit CellularNutrition.Solgar.com to learn more. Again, that's CellularNutrition.Solgar.com to learn more. Solgar Cellular Nutrition. We go cell deep. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Jim, welcome to The Unmistakable Creative. Thanks so much for taking the time to join us. My pleasure to be here. Let's rock. Yeah. So uh, you and I have met through uh, mutual friends, and uh, your work became very intriguing to me when I started digging it apart. So before we get into the, the real gist of what I want to get into here, uh, can you tell us a, a bit about yourself, your story, your journey, and your background, and how that's brought you to where you're at and what you're up to in the world today? Sure thing. I've, you know, I've had two passions for the last 20-plus years in business. One is technology. I've always been fascinated by you know, the ability for technology to reach people around the world and to leverage ideas and things like that. So we've had some success in the technology area, building a couple of companies. Some we've kept. We still own today, 15-plus years later. Uh, some we've taken public. We've scaled from six employees to 1,500 employees and went public in zero to nine months. So, um, you know, we've, I've always had that path. And then on the other side is I've always had an interest and a passion for transformation. So technology and transformation. And, and transformation is something that um, has just been one of those things like I've studied it, I've worked with some of the best in the world, and uh, it's always been the glue that held together all of my businesses. Hmm. So, you know what, let's do this. I, I want to go back a lot further than this, and I want to get into sort of the journey before the journey of starting businesses. And even go back as far as, as growing up, adolescence, childhood, and kind of the influences that you've had that have shaped your worldview and how that brought you to where you're at. Well, that's it. All right. So uh, I was born actually in Florida and I grew up in a very small town. We, we have a little joke that says I grew up in a one stoplight town with 13 bars. And uh, it wasn't exactly the success mecca of the world. It was swampland. Uh, but it was a good lifestyle, you know. My my family had great values. My mom was a dental hygienist. My dad was a um, well, my biological dad. And my mom divorced when I was one, so um, you know he was ex-military Vietnam vet, uh, Purple Heart, things like that. But you know he, he had a he had a troubled life. He had uh, a really tough time uh, in life. And then my mom remarried when I was five to my stepdad, who was an electrician, ran a small business, always had you know one to three employees. But he taught me about values and business. And, um, you know, so I, I think I grew up with a somewhat normal middle class, maybe a little lower middle class. Uh, now that I live in California, it's probably <laughs> way lower middle class. But I grew up with great parents, great family. Uh, and, you know, and I thought I was going to grow up and, <clears throat> and be a doctor. I went to, to school to study medicine and started my first business in college. So that kind of took me in a different path. But you know, when you ask about 
mentors and things like that, I can think back, and this is probably me needing male figures in my life, um, but my mom had dentists who I think had one of the secrets to success. So she had a couple of different dentists she, she worked for in her 35 years of dental hygiene. But what I noticed is, is that there's two types of people. And everybody who's listening probably has had these kind of people. If you think back to somebody who's made a difference in your life, somebody who's had an impact on you, ask yourself this question. Was it because they were interesting or because they were interested? And when I think back to the people who made a difference in my life, it's because they were interested in me. Mm-hmm. So my mom had a couple of uh, bosses that took interest in me and kind of took me under their wings and started talking to me about their practice and their business and the lifestyle and, and this kind of thing. So, um, you know, those were actually my original mentors. And one of them, Dr. Torres, who was a dentist out of Florida, um, he handed me a bootleg copy of Tony Robbins' personal power tapes. <laughs> okay, So he had ripped them off on cassettes. And he said, you got to listen to these tapes. These are awesome. This guy's got the juice, you know, blah, 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 blah. And I was probably uh, 16, 17 at the time. And if you've listened, have you listened to those? I have actually. I'm going through it right now. All right. So, you know, in the first tape or second tape or whatever, Tony's just motivating you. He's, he's, you know, he's building this amazing picture of what life's going to look like. And, you know, if you embrace your personal power and all this. And then at one point he says, all right, now this is not, not just about information. This is about you actually taking action. Mm-hmm. So pause the tape, go do the exercise and don't come back until you do it. You remember those points? Yep. All right. Well, <laughs> I paused the tape. I went away. I didn't do the exercise. So I never went back and listened to those tapes again. Um, at least, you know, at least I had the integrity to not do that. Although I didn't at the time have a follow through. Well, I found myself um, having graduated college and had started this business, moved from Orlando up to uh, Atlanta, Georgia, and the business took a turn for the worse. So I found myself kind of looking for what's next. And lo and behold, I was on a tennis court. I met somebody who was traveling with Tony Robbins. And they were looking for somebody to go on the road and to help build and sell the events and be a speaker. And so at 23 years old, I just knew in my soul, like, you know, when you have those moments of clarity and, and everything looks bleak, but then all of a sudden the universe aligns and next thing you know, somebody's in front of you for just the right message at just the right time. So I packed up my uh, stuff and moved to Canada and spent the next, uh, year with Tony Robbins on the road, going through Vancouver, Ottawa, Toronto, Montreal. And, you know, we built the events. We put 2,500 people every weekend into the events. And it was just, it was an incredible experience. It it completely transformed my life. It changed the way that I thought. It changed the way that I spoke. It changed the way that I dressed. It changed the way that I viewed people. It shifted everything because I was in a completely new environment from anything I had ever been exposed to before. Hmm. So that's, that's kind of the, the fast forward up to, to 23. And then that led to, you know, one thing to the next thing, the next thing and, and getting around incredible entrepreneurs and building businesses. And, and, uh, you know, I felt like from that point on, uh, after Tony Robbins, I met, uh, another gentleman by the name of Bob Proctor and Bob Proctor and John Astraff and I built a company called Life Success Institute, which was again, in the personal development space. You know, we worked with higher end entrepreneurs selling, you know, $25,000, mentor programs to help build their businesses. So I went from, from Tony 
you know, which was the live events and, you know, and motivation and inspiration and all this to Bob Proctor, which was more around the mindset and spirituality and understanding the laws of the universe, if you will, and how those things work. Um, and then something interesting happened. I, I, I left both of those and I moved to California and this, I went through probably one of the toughest, darkest times of my life. And I, I ended up living in a bomb shelter for a year. It was, you know, not only was I financially bankrupt, but at the time I was, and when I say bankrupt, I didn't declare bankruptcy, but I was living off credit cards and, you know, I was living in a bomb shelter. Um, I didn't, you know, I just didn't, didn't know where I was headed. And I think that's the worst part. The financial thing you can change pretty quickly. The health thing you can change pretty quickly. But if you're, if you're unclear of where you're headed, if you don't have a vision of a bigger, brighter future, if you, if you feel like you're not just financially bankrupt, but spiritually and mentally and emotionally bankrupt, that's one of the loneliest, darkest places. And I remember I had all kinds of friends that were around me that were filled with drama. Uh, you know, I was doing, you know, drinking and occasional drugs and all this kind of stuff. And I just realized that, that I was, you know, here's a guy who was preaching personal development before and you can change your life and this and that. And I lost faith in that industry because I saw thousands of people getting excited, getting pumped up every weekend, beating on their chests. But as I started to get to know some of them, I realized these people weren't actually changing. They weren't transforming their businesses. They weren't transforming their lives. Some of them were. A very small percentage of the people were going on to have massive success. But the majority of people, and we ended up studying this later on, about five years later, we did a big survey of over 10,000 people. And what we found was is about 4% of the population can use willpower and drive and force to change their behavior. 96% of the population goes through this up, down, up, down, up, down, where they, you know, they go on a weight loss program, for example. And next thing you know, six to eight weeks later, they've not only gained the weight back, they've gained, and this is, by the way, 84% of the people have gained back at least the weight they lost and 15 to 30 to 40% more than what they had before. You see this with business owners where, you know, they'll have a really good quarter. Mm-hmm. And next thing you know, the next quarter is half of what they did the previous quarter or less. So they end up balancing right back to the same equilibrium that they had before, whether it's in finances or health or, you know, you see this in relationships. They go up, down, up, down, up, down. It's the, it's the cycle. Mm-hmm. I didn't have the answer for that and it was frustrating to me. And so I left the industry of personal development and I said, you know what? This is just bullshit. This whole industry is just crap. So I threw the baby out with the bathwater, which, you know, in hindsight might have been a mistake. But as a result, I ended up meeting somebody who was into this thing called coaching. And I had never hired a coach. I didn't know what a coach was. You know, all of a sudden, you know, here I am and I'm I'm working with this guy. And he got me back to the basics. He got me back to building a foundation. He got me back into daily habits. He got me into shifting my thinking a little bit at a time. And what ended up happening is that coach introduced me to one other coach that changed everything for me. This next guy was a guy by the name of Thomas Leonard, and Thomas Leonard is passed on, but he was considered by many to be the founder of modern-day coaching. 
And I'm sharing this because I think most people in their lives have had a coach that's made a difference, whether it was a, a, a sports coach or an athletic coach or whether it was a coach at you know, your church group or whether it was just somebody who took interest in you and they, and they advised you or coached you or a professional coach, somebody that you've paid. Coaches have this amazing way of taking interest in people, seeing those people for better than what they currently are, and then moving them in a new direction. So I hired this guy, Thomas Leonard, and my first question to him I asked, I said, Thomas, I, I come from you know these pretty incredible speakers that we've put a lot of people through these seminars, and I've seen a lot of people go through them, but not a lot of people actually succeed, and now I'm one of those people. And I said, why is that? And he said, I'll tell you the reason why. He said, most of these people are trying to use willpower to change their life instead of designing environments. And at that moment, for whatever reason, it just hit me. And I said, what do you mean by designing environments? What, what do you mean by environments? And he said, listen, I want you to imagine for a moment that everything that you see, hear, smell, taste, touch, everything is an environment. He goes, so, for example, the phone that you're listening to me on right now, look at that thing. It's an environment. The computer in front of you is an environment. The clothes you're wearing is an environment. Your body is an environment. Your mind is an environment. And these environments are working on you 24 hours a day, seven days a week. So what happens is, is you go to this seminar, you get excited, you get pumped up because you're in an environment where you've got an incredible speaker. You've got a thousand people that are cheering and dancing and, and walking on fire, right? He goes, you're in that environment for two to three days. But what happens the moment you come back to your environment? And I said, well, <laughs> my environment right now sucks. I mean, I'm, uh, you know, it's not that good. I'm living in a bomb shelter. And he goes, yeah, what happens to your thinking when you're in that environment? And I go, oh, I feel depressed. I feel hopeless. I feel like a fraud because I used to teach people how to be successful, da, 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 da. And he goes, yeah. He goes, that environment is working on you 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And I said, what do I have to do? And he goes, you need to learn how to do life by design instead of life by default. Mm -hmm. Doing life by design means that you decide how you want to live, and then you simply design the environments to pull you into the bigger you. So if you surround yourself with the right people, if you surround yourself with the right network, if you surround yourself with the right physical environment, and he went through, and at the time he called it the seven environments of you. We've turned it into something called nine environments of you. Mm -hmm. But the long and the short is, is that when you start upgrading and redesigning your environments, everything changes. And you see this with entrepreneurs, you see it with employees, you see it with everybody. Everybody has environments. And they're either inspiring you or they're expiring you. They're either adding energy or they're draining energy. They're either increasing your focus or they're decreasing your focus. And so if you look around your environment right now, there's probably some things that pull you up and there's some things that pull you down. But instead of trying to use willpower to change your mind and change your behaviors, what if you just designed environments that, that caused you naturally to be pulled into a better you, that caused you naturally to be inspired? Like this podcast is an environment. People are being exposed to your thinking and my thinking and other experts' thinkings. So when they listen to that, it's, it's putting information or what we call memes into their mind. That is software. If they were listening to a podcast on how to be angry or how to be depressed or how to whatever, that would put information or environments into their mind. So what I realized is, and this is the, 
the message here is that environments are stronger than willpower. Environments will always win over willpower because they work on you 24 hours a day, seven days a week. But your willpower, your desire to change, is only on when you're thinking about it. Hmm. All right, so there's pure gold here, and I'm going to dig back deeper into all of it. But I, I want to go back uh, to a couple of things that you talked about earlier. Uh, you know, one of the things that, that's really fascinating to me is the idea of working with Tony Robbins. And I've heard, you know, I think I've had one other person here who had worked with him. I'm really interested in what that whole experience was like more in depth. Uh, and, and, you know, what is Tony like as a person? Uh, you know, what misconceptions do we have about him? And, uh, you know, and then I want to really start digging into this idea of environments, but I want to ask a, another question about your personal story too. Sure. So uh, I can I can share with you my experience of Tony, and it's it's limited compared to some of my friends who spent a lot of time with him. I was part of the crew that was out on the road that would fill the events. So we would, you know, we were kind of a SWAT team. We would get dropped into a city about eight weeks before he was there. There were four of us, and we would live in that city for eight weeks. We'd pick up a cell phone a phone book, a rental car. Keep in mind, this is 20 years ago. So cell phones were the size of bricks. They actually came in a case that you unzipped, like a briefcase. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, so we'd drop into a city like a SWAT team. We'd pick up the phone book. We'd go through and we would call different companies and book ourselves in as a speaker and, and sell the events. So we'd sell tickets for 200 bucks for Tony for them to come see Tony for a live one-day event. So then Tony would come into town and, you know, we'd have dinner and I'd see him at the events and stuff like that. But I didn't, you know, I didn't hang out with Tony. So I want to clear that perception up. But I can tell you this. Tony is probably one of the most inspiring and incredible human beings on the planet. He is an individual is more committed to, you know, basically to living an amazing life than just about anybody I've met. There's a few other people that I've met that they just, you know, they do life in a certain way. And that's one of the things that I respect about Tony, and it truly transformed my life. It transformed the way that I think, because um, I grew up in a one-stop-like town with 13 bars. I just didn't have a lot of good mentors around. I didn't have people that um, – well, well, I'll give you an example. Here was one of the biggest insights I had. Before I met Robbins, I had no idea what a belief was. Mm-hmm. I mean, what's a belief, Right. I had no idea that a belief is nothing but a feeling of certainty. It's a thought that you have that you've proved to yourself to be true. So when I met Robbins, you know, (laughs) and I start to realize, wow, I've got beliefs that say that I'm not enough or there isn't enough money or there, you know, this business might not succeed, right? I've got these beliefs. And when I met Robbins, the biggest gift that he gave me was the ability to upgrade my beliefs, to be able to go from a limiting belief to an empowering belief, to go from feeling like, you know, I, I'm not going to have enough money to I can create whatever I want, right? So I learned how to upgrade my beliefs. And that was really my first level of thinking. What I realized later on as I've, you know, worked with thousands of other people and business owners and stuff like this is the challenge with that model is, is that when you, when you just upgrade one belief, when I trade in this belief for that belief, All I'm doing is creating the next ceiling to my success. So if I believe right now that I'm worth $100,000 and I upgrade my belief to I'm worth $10 million, what I really did is I just created a new ceiling called $10 million. Now, $10 million may sound fine going from $100,000 to $10 million, but when you get to $10 million, what are you going to do again? You're going to set the next goal and go to $100 million or a billion. So that upgrading of beliefs, while it was very empowering in the beginning, 
it didn't, it, it created success for me, but it didn't create fulfillment. And what I learned later on is regardless of the financial success that I've had, what really became the most important thing for me was is to live a values-driven life. To live, and when I say values, I mean the things that are subconsciously motivating me. So you and I met actually uh, surfing, right? Mm -hmm. So to me, it's not that I value surfing. I value, my number one value is living an authentic life. To do what I want, when I want, with who I want, where I want. So some people call that freedom. Some people call it other stuff. But what I realized is in my life, when I am clear on my values and I have, I have a process that's really simple to discover your five values and your, what in your mind subconsciously motivates you. But when I'm really clear on that and I design my environments to express my values, life works. When I'm not, when I feel drag, when I feel resistance, when I feel low energy, when I feel uh, unclear, it's always been because I've been working against my values, the things I value most in life. And most people are running around out there trying to reach success, trying to motivate themselves, trying to build another business, trying to do this. If they don't know their values, I can promise you they're going to return back to their old behaviors within six months. It happens every single time. So Robbins is incredible. I think if you get to, if you get to invest time around Tony Robbins or Richard Branson or uh, Elon Musk or any of these guys that are playing a bigger game, do it because you're going to learn something. They're going to learn something from you and you're going to learn something from them. And that's why I've continued to surround myself with people who think what I would say, not outside the box, but, but think in a whole different universe. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I want to ask you one other question about this sort of bleak time in the bomb shelter. Uh, one of the things that you said is that you're in a very, very dark place where you couldn't see any vision for your future. And I would imagine that you're not the first person to have gone through that. I'd imagine there's even people listening to this who are thinking that, uh, you know, or, or suddenly they're, you know, realizing that. And I guess, you know, the question for me is overcoming that when and not letting it become all-consuming um, so that you can get to sort of the next phase? Well, you know, here's, here's I hate to say this, Srini, but I'm not so sure that you can overcome it. Mm-hmm. I'm not so sure that it's not just part of the, the path of the entrepreneur or part of the path of the, of the human. You know, in, in Batman series, they call it the dark night of the soul. Mm-hmm. I think if you look at the hero's journey or any of these stories throughout time, you're going to go through a tough time. You're going to go through a separation of soul is what I call it. I believe that every one of us you know, has an imprint of our soul's purpose. You know, if you look at, at the fact that we have DNA, which is, you know, which is basically an energy strand that predicts our, the, the color of our hair and our eyes and our height and our weight, then I also got to believe that, wait a minute, maybe we've got an energy DNA that's impressing the, the purpose of our soul while we're in this physical plane. So I'm not so sure that most humans don't go through that. Mm-hmm. Now, that being said, I can tell you distinctively how I shifted out of it. So <laughs> one of the, the worst nights, and you got to understand, when I say a bomb shelter, it was you know here in Southern California, it was actually in Point Loma, California, 4052 Bernice Drive, and they fixed up this place since. But basically, it was this tiny little dump of a house, and they built bomb shelters down there because it was in the, in the military you know, back in the 50s. So, and, and it was for nuclear protection. So you'd walk down this set of stairs 
and it was this this dark cavernous place. There was no natural light. I had a, a twenty dollar halogen lamp. There was no um, air other than a tube that came from the outside down into this concrete bomb shelter, right? And I had a I had a mattress on the floor. I had a drafting table. I had a twenty dollar halogen lamp in my clothes. So that was basically what I lived like for a year, but. At the very lowest point, the, the girl that I had been dating, uh, you know, her ex-boyfriend came back into her life. Uh, he actually broke into the place in the middle of the night and we're pretty sure he had a gun, but he dragged her out of there. You know, it was a big drama. Like I'm talking massive drama in my life. We called the police. We had him arrested for kidnapping, all this stuff. And I'm like, wait a minute. This is not me. What am I? What, what is happening here? That night, I couldn't sleep. I was so nervous because he had broken in with a, a big friend of his, a football guy, da, da, da. I couldn't sleep. I'm all jacked up on adrenaline. I'm fearful for my life, like, all right, who's coming next kind of thing. And I remember something happened. I, I sat down and I read this book from cover to cover called Conversations with God. And for whatever reason, at that time in my life, that book answered a lot of questions for me. But the biggest question it answered for me was what was I here for? What am I supposed to be doing? And what happened in hindsight, Srini, is, is that, that the year that I spent in the bomb shelter was all about me.com. I was looking at my life. Why wasn't things working? What, you know, what is it about me? I had all the focus on me. But for whatever reason, in that moment, after reading that book, the light bulb went on and I shifted the focus from me to what could I contribute to the world? And I immediately, as if every, every single piece of my cells lit up at once, I knew that when I shifted my focus away from me and towards what value could I create in the world, how could I impact people's lives, whether it was through building a technology company that made people's lives simpler, whether it was through building a, a coaching company that helped people stay on track and understand themselves better. It didn't matter what we built. You know, We built app companies. We built all kinds of stuff now. If I keep my focus on creating more value for more people and I challenge myself to do that every day, then the universe works in my favor. I'm creating so much reciprocity from the universe that it has to return to me. But the moment that I put all the attention and focus on me, it shuts off the valve. It shuts off the flow. So that was the turning point. And, and no matter who you are or who you talk to that's really successful, you'll find that their intention, their focus is not on what they can get, but on what can they give. And you'll never run out of energy for giving. Hmm. But you will definitely run out of energy, resources, friends, money if you're just focused on yourself and your game. Wow. Uh, so much there. I, I love that. That's just absolutely brilliant. So let's do this. Uh, I want to ask you one question around sort of rapid transformation and acceler accelerated growth, because you mentioned, you know, growing a company and taking it public in nine months. That to me seems crazy and unimaginable at the moment. Uh, so I want to talk about, you know, what is it that enables that? And then I want to get specifically into designing our environments uh, in our lives for optimal creativity, optimal output, and optimal human performance. Okay. So I think we can weave both those into one. Because okay. <laughs> the simple reality is, and I want to be clear, I want to make sure we paint the right picture here for everybody. 
I didn't come up with the idea for that company. There were actually two 27-year-olds that did. And the idea was back in 1999, the end of 98. And these two 27-year-olds who were good friends from college uh, were sitting around watching a microwave table, you know, those microwaves that spin around. Mm -hmm. They were watching one of those turn around. And one of them hits the other guy and says, hey, Kevin, what do you think if we put a camera on a tripod and we filmed the room, do you think we could load that on the internet and create a virtual tour? So that was the beginning of this thing called a virtual tour. Now, go back in time. We all have digital cameras and iPhones and stuff like that. In 1998, it was still the, the fight was still going on between VHS and beta. We were still in tape drive and stuff like that. So taking film and loading it to the internet was not a big deal, but, or it was a big deal. So they had a buddy of theirs by the name of Jet who they told him, listen, can you digitize this tape and put it on the internet? So he did it. Long story short, one of those two um, guys, his dad had been very successful. He's built over 40 companies. He was retired. They pitched him on the idea. He said, listen, if you can get my buddy, who is the president of uh, Royal LePage Real Estate in Canada, if you can get him to, to say yes to your idea, I'll fund the initial team. So that's what happened. They pitched him. He loved the idea. And what happened there is really important. You said, you know, from where you're sitting right now, it's unimaginable to think of growing a company that fast. That was the biggest challenge we had was finding people who could imagine what had never been done. Mm. Because when you have an idea like a virtual tour, that's great. There's, there's millions of ideas that are fantastic ideas. If you ever watch Shark Tank, for example, you'll see them, you know, people come on there and they've got good ideas and you see people that have stupid ideas. But what they're looking at is not just the idea, they're looking at the entrepreneur behind the idea. And, you know, Mark Cuban and Damon and, and Lori and all these guys, what are they doing? They're asking themselves the question, if I invest in this entrepreneur, can I help this person build another asset for me? That's basically what they're asking. So they know that if the idea is decent, but the entrepreneur is committed mm -hmm. and with their connections, they can make it work because they are the environment that's going to take that person to the next level. So when you look at any kind of life or business or whatever is as we were growing this we we looked for who are the people that are already proven assets because when you have a vision that's big enough that somebody else who's already successful is willing to lay down their vision to come play in yours now all of a sudden you've got magic and so we grew the company very quickly because we had networks in place which is an environment mm -hmm. of entrepreneurs who already had six and seven figure businesses but when we told them what we were doing, we said, listen, guys, we're going we're gonna to transform the way the world does real estate. Because at that time, if you wanted to buy a house, what did you have to do? You had to get in the back of a car called a real estate agent's car, and they drove you around like a taxi driver for six to 12 months. You looked at however many houses you could tolerate, and then you made an offer on them. We changed the whole industry. You would never do that now. You go online to look for homes first. So we look for things that can make a major impact. There were 700,000 real estate agents in Canada and U.S. at the time. So we knew that in order for us to reach that market, we needed a team of people that could execute at the speed of thought. So we started with six, went to 30, went to 150, went to 750, went to 1,500 people in our first year. So we recruited, trained, and deployed an army of people because of all of our training from the Tony Robbins days. We hired 120 people that, that already thought like us 
because they had been speakers and trainers and franchise owners for the Robbins organizations and other personal development companies. We didn't have to change their mindsets. We only had to teach them what our vision and mission and product was. Mm-hmm. And so we were at the speed of thought at that point. Plus, when you have, you know, when you go out and you pitch investors and you get forty million dollars, it's easy to it's easy to recruit people. So yeah. Hey, it's Trini. I hope you're liking this episode of The Unmistakable Creative. Did you know that every Sunday, our community manager, Melina, sends out 10 key takeaways from episodes like this one? All you have to do to receive it is sign up for our newsletter. Just visit unmistakablecreative.com slash newsletter, and you'll get them delivered right to your inbox. Again, that's unmistakablecreative.com slash newsletter. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard. But now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Let's talk about aging. It's inevitable, right? But what if I told you there's a new way to age led by Solgar Cellular Nutrition? They believe, and I do too, that you can transform the way you age cell by cell with the power of cellular nutrition. As we age, our cellular function declines. Your regular multivitamins and minerals might not be enough to combat these age-related declines, and that's where Solgar Cellular Nutrition comes in. It's formulated with targeted cellular nutrients that work with your body's natural processes deep inside your cells to help you fight cellular decline and promote cell health across three benefit areas. It supports cell energy, repair, and vitality, muscle strength, and even glutathione production to help protect cells. So let's own our healthy aging narrative. Visit CellularNutrition.Solgar.com to learn more. Again, that's CellularNutrition.Solgar.com to learn more. Solgar Cellular Nutrition. We go sell deep. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Well, let's do this. Let, let's let's you know bring this back down to earth a little bit for people uh, you know who are, are sitting at their desk, maybe uh, the artist, the creative professional, or somebody. Let's talk about creating how we design our own environment bit by bit for optimal performance, so we don't become one of those statistics that you're talking about where somebody does a course, somebody goes to some self-improvement thing. Because I've seen this over and over again. In fact, the other day I was reading uh, a blog post uh, by a girl in in this uh, Your Turn Challenge that Seth Godin was doing. And she was one of the people who went to one of Seth Godin's weekend events and had done nothing since the event. And I was under the impression that everybody who goes to a Seth Godin event comes out doing miraculous things. It turns out that that's not true. So let's talk about designing environments so we don't become one of those statistics and we don't end up right back where we were in six months or designing the environment so that we can get to where we want to be and stay there and keep going further than that. Okay. So give me, let's, let's give me an example 
so or we can look at your environment if you yeah, want. Yeah, let's let's do that. So we have a concrete example to work with. How do I ultimately change my environment so that I come out with, you know, optimal performance and by December 31st of this year, I'm looking at my life thinking, "Wow, this is just something that I couldn't have pictured." Perfect. So so let's chunk it down to three areas of your life because what I find is the first thing that people do is they complicate it. You know, remember simplicity succeeds mm-hmm. and complexity kills. So the first thing is we, you know, we want to look at all these different areas of your life. No, let's chunk it down to three. Let's focus on your happiness first. Okay. Then your health, then your wealth. All right. Okay. So when you think back over the last five, 10, 15, 20 years, what are some of the happiest moments of your life? Um, well, definitely the first time I caught a wave. Uh, I think there's, there's no question about that. And anybody who's listened for a long time knows that, uh, Anytime I get to write or create things with my own two hands, I find that to be incredibly joyful. Uh, that's, that's hands down one of my favorite things. Uh, standing on stage in an event, uh, giving a speech, or even leading my own event uh, was probably one of the other ones. And I'm trying to think. Those are really the three that stand out above them all. Okay, perfect. So if we were to take those three and start there, and then I were to ask you to come up with 22 more things that you love to do with or without money. Mm-hmm. And here's the funny thing. If I ask an eight-year-old like my son, he can create a list that's a mile long. I ask adults, and they have trouble getting the 25 things they love to do with or without money. Oh, I would struggle with that, I think. Yeah, and it's, we, we, be, we get conditioned not to focus on what makes us happy. We get conditioned to think we have to work, and that's the wrong formula. So the first thing is you're going to put your happiness first every single day. And if you're not doing what inspires you, especially with you being creative, with you being a communicator, with you being a, a people person, if you're not doing those things, you're actually robbing yourself of vital soul energy. So you have to understand in order for you to succeed in the next two categories of health and wealth – you have to put your happiness first. Wow. Okay? So that's rule number one. Number two, health. Okay? So what's one or two health goals that you have? Well, I'd like to get in the, in the best shape of my life uh, this year. I'd like to eat healthier. Uh, I'd like to have much more energy, and I'd like to be able to have less emotional ups and downs uh, when I'm dealing with stressful situations in my life. That actually is probably the biggest one when it comes to health, like not, you know, coping with anxiety of the unknown. Okay. So first off, we're going to, we're going to put that actually into the happiness category. Okay. (laughs) Okay. Um, And the reason is, is that if you, if we identify your values and we identify your inspires and your expires, the things that inspire you and the things that expire you, because, because you gave me your list of things that you love to do, the speaking and the surfing and the things like that. But you also have an equally powerful list of things that you cannot stand to do, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Things that drain your energy. You might do them because you feel like as an entrepreneur you have to. Maybe it's writing copy. Maybe it's building your website. Maybe it's doing the blog. Whatever it is. Those things that are detail-driven in your case, for example. Right. right? So your perception is that you have to be the one to do that. The truth is there's somebody who loves to do the things that you hate to do. There's people that play at the things that you have to work at and vice versa. Mm-hmm. So the first thing I want to do is to recognize your emotional intelligence, your your feelings you have about life and business and all this. You're on this roller coaster simply because you're not putting the things you love to do in your life first. Okay? Now, in the body environment, one of the things that I recommend people do is they retrain their brain and they retrain their body. Now, you said something interesting. You said, I want to eat better. I want to have more energy. Nobody really wants to eat better, okay? 
<laughs> so what we do is we recognize we're starting off with an environment that we have to work against or we have to remove everything from our environment that's going to cause us to default to eating worse. Mm-hmm. So if I go into your refrigerator and your pantry or wherever you stuff the crap that you know you're not supposed to eat and I have a trash bag and I fill that thing up and throw it out of the house, when you're hungry, the only thing that's left is good food. Okay? Mm-hmm. So you, gotta, you have to set up your environments to win. The other piece is, is, is that you know, because you love to surf and be outdoors, you've got to put your body into environments that are going to cause it by nature to get healthier. Mm-hmm. Okay? Sitting behind a computer under fluorescent lights on a concrete floor in a cubicle, for example, is horrible for our human body. And yet we see people doing that every day. When you go out and surf, you immediately connect with nature. The, the, there's a negative ion release from the ocean that actually our bodies need. Okay, so that is healthy and healing. So the surf is an environment for you. Being outdoors with sun 15 minutes a day, you know, getting that vitamin D3 cholecalciferol into our skin, that is healthy for us. It changes our mental state, our emotional state. This is why people in Seattle suffer from seasonal affect disorder. So if you live in a part of the world where it's cloudy six months out of the year or it's snowing constantly, look what happens to your body. Mm-hmm. People stay indoors, they hibernate, they watch TV, and they get fat. Okay, their body becomes toxic, their mind becomes toxic. Why? Because their body, which is an environment, is exposed over long periods of time to environments that will naturally drain us. All right, so what we want to do is we want to start looking in the body environment. What are the things around you that you know are lowering your vibration, lowering your energy? You know, they're causing you to feel expired instead of inspired. Okay, so if you're spending too much time on a computer, it's probably expiring you. If you're spending too much time on a couch, that's expiring you. Remove those environments or set boundaries that say, I'm only allowed on my computer for an hour a day, whatever it is. All right. Now, in the wealth category, what's one goal or two goals in the wealth? Well, I'd like to have a a sustainable and profitable business, or is that too vague? It's pretty vague, but we can get there pretty quickly. So what would that mean for you? you, As long as you know the number, you don't have to say it here. If you want, that's fine too, but... But are you clear if you said, all right, my, if my income is this and my expenses are this, mm-hmm. and I've got a simple formula that we use for startups. It's 2x minus 1. So basically your income should be twice your expenses. That's number one goal. Then it goes 4x and then 10x. Okay. You'll never go broke in business if your income is twice your expense. You can't. Mm-hmm. So if, if that's the first rule, it doesn't matter if you're making 10000 a month and spending five or you're making 100000 and spending fifty. You're always going to be profitable, and that's the key. Get mm-hmm. to profitability first. But the other piece around business that you want to look at is – or wealth, I'll say wealth – is who is your network? Who are the people that you're investing the most time around? Because your net worth is directly related to your network. So if the people that you're investing time around, if they're moving and shaking, if they're making money, if they're making a difference, that's going to be you. If you're hanging out with people that aren't making money, that are overspending, that are in debt, that are constantly negative, that don't have any vision, that that they can tell you a hundred reasons why you shouldn't be running your business, well, you can promise that over time they are going to infiltrate and infect your mind. Mm -hmm. Your mind is your most valuable asset, especially when it comes to happiness, health, and wealth. So you have to stand guard at the door of your mind. But more importantly, you have to make sure that every piece of information that goes into your mind every single day is inspiring you, not expiring you. I don't watch a lot of TV 
especially the news. Now, mm-hmm. am I up to date on what's happening? Yes, but I don't need all the drama. I don't need some newscaster presenting it to me in a way that's going to mentally and emotionally derail me. So do I want to know what's happening in the war? Sure, right? I want the details. Do I want to know what's happening with Obama's latest address? Yes, but I don't need all of the stuff wrapped around it. I need the information, not the emotional roller coaster. So you want to make sure that when you're designing your environments, especially around wealth, that you're putting the right network in place. Mm -hmm. Then you've got to make sure that your business, which is an environment, is inspiring you every day. And it's the last piece I'll say on this one, but you know, when I get when I'm on the pages and people are saying, "Hey, what do you notice with entrepreneurs? Where do they screw up?" And I say, "Here's the challenge: most entrepreneurs don't go financially bankrupt first; they go emotionally bankrupt first because they are focused on the wrong things. If they will focus on making a difference in their customers' lives, if they will get out there and be in relationship with more people." That fuels the entrepreneurs. And then it's easy to figure out your business model on the back end. Mm-hmm. It's easy to build a system. I mean, that's all it is. Business is a game of numbers. It's very simple. But what happens is the entrepreneur puts themselves in the wrong position in the company so they never grow. Wow. Uh, so much stuff there. So there's one other component of this that I want to talk about. Um, sort of on a tactical day-to-day basis, because I remember the friend who connected the two of us shared something with me about the physical environment. And I remember one of the very first things I did is went out and bought a new bed because of that. So, you know, the environment that we work in, I think, is another one that's really critical. And I think that would be one of the major starting points for a lot of people. So I'd love for you to talk about that. Uh, you know, you talked about the laptop. I mean, you're just making me think about, you know, what I see on my Facebook feed all day long. And one other example I'll share is a friend turned me on to Sons of Anarchy uh, as a TV show, and I watched four episodes, and then I got to the fifth episode, and like the violence was so graphic, I thought, I'm watching this every night before I go to bed? Not a good idea. And I couldn't continue after that. Yeah, well, good. Your awareness meter is starting to improve, which is fantastic. Um, yeah, so, and again, there's nine different environments, and I know on this podcast we haven't really put the structure around it. There's a visual that, that makes it easy for people to see, but the one you're asking about is the physical, and physical, by the way, for everybody is spelled P-H-Y-S-I-C-A-L, physical. Some people call it habitat, mm-hmm. but what you're talking about is is the habitat or physical environments that we move around in all day. So, for example, your bedroom is an environment. That mattress is an environment. So in that room, there's only a couple of things that your body should be doing, right? You should be getting rest, okay, Mm -hmm. which means there's no electronics, there's no light. A lot of people don't realize this, but your mind does not relax if there's light in the room because it goes through your eyelids into your subconscious. It keeps your mind on alert. So put a mask on or close the windows or whatever. Same thing with earplugs. A lot of people don't realize that your subconscious is going to continue to process all of the sounds in that room. So put earplugs in and watch what happens when you get sleep. Now disconnect from the technology at least an hour before you're going to go to bed and get to bed by 10 o'clock. If you're not asleep by 11 o'clock, you start losing some of the power of your rim because your circadian rhythm is off with the planets. So I know this sounds a little airy-fairy and woo-foo, but go look at the biorhythms of humans and see what happens when we're out of biorhythm. You live in a certain part of the world, 
And if you're not in sync with that, you're out of sync with nature. And nature's way more powerful than anything that we've ever created. So back to the physical environment. You know, so you, you go to sleep, you wake up in this room. If you're, if you're rested, don't reach for the iPhone for the first thing in the morning. Reach for the goals that you have written by your bed. Mm-hmm. Read those. Read those before you go to bed and read them when you get up. Write them on a one-page piece of paper and visualize yourself, emotionalize yourself having those goals every day. What is the home that you want to live in? Who are the people that you want to impact? What car do you want to drive? What does your bank account look like? What does your asset folder or portfolio look like? How many businesses do you own? How much real estate do you own? Uh, What charities are you contributing to? Put all these things down on one piece of paper and watch what happens. Now, I did this with a friend of mine who works at Wells Fargo, and he didn't believe in goals. He didn't believe in any of this stuff. He went to the top of all of the Wells Fargo mortgage agents in one year. He, He made it into the presidential club in one year from simply reading his note cards before he went to bed. Okay. So that's a physical environment. When you put those goals there, boom, that's a physical environment. Now, now you go to your office. When you walk into your office, before you walk in there, ask yourself, what is the purpose of me putting my body into this environment? What's the purpose of me putting my mind in this environment? Do you go in there to, to, to do podcasts? Do you go in there to uh, check email? I use environments by design. So in my office, this is like a recording studio. That's the reason I walk in here. I don't come in here to hang out. I don't come in here to do anything else. It's strictly to get those things done. If I want to be creative, I go down to the beach or I go to a mountain. I go somewhere else. I grab a flip chart and some markers or things like that. So you're going to move your body into environments that cause a behavior that you want or a result you want. If your office is disorganized, if your office has clutter, if your email inbox is massively full, how do you feel? Do you feel focused or do you feel distracted? Do you feel inspired or expired? One of the best things that I do is, you know, newsletters seem to grow somehow, like you sign up for one and you get another and another and another. I had my computer crash and somehow we lost all of my emails, 35,000 emails. And you know what I told my assistant? Don't, don't restore them. Don't try to find them. I don't care about any of those emails. Every time I open my inbox, I'm feeling stress, and I want you to unsubscribe me from every newsletter but one. And I told her which one I wanted to keep. So she, she unsubscribed me from 75 newsletters. And you know what I thought at first? I thought, oh, crap, I need all the information. What instantly happened is I went, wait a second. I know where to find that. If I want to go connect with this person, I know how to get a hold of them. If I want to get that data, I know how to get a hold of it. So uncoupling yourself from environments that that drain you is one of the fastest, easiest ways. When you look at your home environment, like uh, you haven't been over to the house here, but you've been near my place, but we sit up on the hill, we overlook the ocean, we got a 180 degree view of the ocean, and I can see two of my favorite surf spots right from the deck. So when I was having lunch today, I went outside, I grabbed my iPhone, I put my headphones on, I listened to my brain entrainment software, which walks me through my goals, it reprograms my subconscious, I stare at the ocean, and I, and I eat. I nourish my body and I nourish my mind every single day. That's how I do it. So start thinking about the environments, and the easiest way to do this, Srini, is to, is to take a list draw a line down the middle of the paper from top to bottom. Mm-hmm. On the left-hand side, make a list of all the things that inspire you. So put a plus sign in the word inspire. And on the right-hand side, make a list of all the things that expire you, all the things that drain you. So 
right now, if you were to draw the list of one or two things that inspire you, like surfing, and what else inspires you? What adds energy to you on a daily basis? Writing, definitely. Okay, so put writing in there. What else? Um, being out in nature, going for walks. Okay, so walks, surfing, what else? Listening to music, which I don't do a lot of these days. Ah, so music is an environment that inspires you. Put that on that list. What else? Watching movies also, like watching good movies. And I don't do a lot of that these days either. All right, so put movies, but then you're going to have to get specific and put down what kind of movies because that's an environment that's going to either inspire you or expire you. So I have a list of favorite movies that inspire me, right? Mm -hmm. So if I'm not sure on which ones, great. I go back and look at those. My friends are always looking for for music or videos or things that inspire, that pull me up. So those are great environments. Now, on the flip side, what environments do you have right now that you know are draining you? You know they're not pulling you into a bigger you. You know they're not helping you get to your goals. They're actually hurting you. Well, it's funny you say that. I'm looking at my desk and I have a stack of uh, a printed version of the Tony Robbins uh, personal journal. I have a banana peel on top of a manila folder and there's a jar with pens on it. But even that has headphones in it, which are cluttered and kind of wrapped around. So here's the good news. Pick up that banana right now. Throw it in the trash. Mm -hmm. Okay. Grab those pens and only allow yourself one pen on the desk. Okay. Get rid of the container. See, the problem is you've got a container. It's not that you've got pens. You have a container on there to hold the pens. Mm-hmm. So choose your favorite pen, the one that makes you feel empowered or wealthy or has a story behind it or whatever. Put that on there. Get rid of the other ones. Donate them or put them in you know, a drawer. I don't suggest the drawer because then you just cluttered one environment with another, but get rid of them. Mm-hmm. Okay? Does, look at your desk as an environment that is – has a specific purpose. Like I have three monitors on my desk. The reason is when I walk in and lights and all this, when I walk in front of this thing, it's showtime. Okay. I know exactly what energy I need to be in. I know what mind frame. That's it. I don't sit in here to do emails. I don't sit here to do anything. It's strictly for the show. If I want to do emails, I grab my laptop, I go sit on the deck. Mm-hmm. Okay, So what's going to happen is, as you walk around your physical environments, your, your home, your office, even your car. You know, I, I remember when we were hiring people at Bamboo, we were hiring really fast. We were running profiles and assessments and all this stuff. But one of my favorite things was I would always follow them out to their car. And what I was looking for is if I could get them to open up their car, like if they had tinted windows and I couldn't see inside, I'd open up the car door and walk them in. Or if I can make up an excuse to see in their trunk, I could tell a lot about a person because if somebody keeps their car in meticulous order, even if it's a piece of junk, it's an old car, but they keep it clean, they keep it organized, I know that their mind is going to be organized. But if they've got a bunch of crap and junk and wrappers and all that kind of stuff and junk on the floor, food on the floor, I don't want that person in my environment because they can't maintain and manage their physical environments. Hmm. Which makes me think I need to go clean my car. You absolutely do. (laughs) what happens the moment you walk into a very clean, clear environment? Do you feel better or worse? Better, always. Always. So why wouldn't you set yourself up with having environments that are clean and clear? The problem is this, Srini. We have access to too many resources. It's not that we don't have access to enough. We've got access to so many things that people have forgotten how to say no. The best skill that an entrepreneur can have is not to say yes, it's to say no. Warren Buffett said it well. He said, if you want to become a billionaire, you have to say no to everything that isn't going to make you a billionaire. Mm -hmm. 
It's that simple. So say no to the clutter. Say no to the stuff. Say no to everything that isn't on track with your bigger purpose. And I'll share this one little story with you guys. Sometimes you don't know what you want. Sometimes you're unclear of the vision because you have so much of in your life currently of what you don't want that you can't see what you really want. Michelle and I, my wife, had we had built this house up in Carlsbad not too long ago. It's not the one we're in now, but another house. We built it brand new. And we moved from one place into this house. And we did like many people do. We loaded up the garage with all the boxes so that we could unpack them and yada, yada, yada. Well, there was just about, I don't know, 10 or 15 or 20 boxes that just didn't have a place to go. They didn't fit in the home because this was a beautiful new home. And this stuff was kind of the stuff that I had dragged from the other place and, you know, holding on to my man cave stuff and things like that. And the long and the short is, is that stuff sat in our garage for probably four or five, six weeks. And then that clutter attracted some more clutter and so on and so on. Next thing you know, I couldn't park her Mercedes or my Range Rover in the garage. And I went, wait a second. This isn't working for me, but I couldn't figure out what I wanted to look like. Now, we had concrete floors and white walls in the garage, and I kept thinking to myself, you know, I want this, this, when I pull into the garage, I want this to feel nice. I want this to be the first home we enter uh, every time we come in, because we did. We, we wanted to pull our cars in. So what I did is on a Saturday, I dragged everything out of the garage, because I just couldn't picture what I wanted. The moment I moved that last box out, and I stood there looking at this empty, blank garage, I went, I got it. I know what color I want to paint the walls. I want the walls to be tan. I want to put that sealant and coat down with the little tiny flecks. I want it to be tan with black and, 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 you know, uh, and dark brown flecks. And I want these black, um, uh, what do they call them where you store the stuff, uh, storage shelves. Mm-hmm. I want those things built into the side. So when we pull in, everything is clean and organized. We can just pull our cars in. You know, oh, the only thing I want in here is a ping pong table, <laughs> right? So the moment I got all the clutter out of the garage, I had a clear vision of what I wanted. So if you're not sure what you want your office to look like, take everything out of your office, literally the desk, everything, put it outside and stand in that room and ask yourself the question, what do I want to accomplish in this room? Then only bring the stuff in the room that's going to help you accomplish it. Give everything else away or sell it if you have to. Okay. So when you start designing environments, it's oftentimes easier to start with a blank slate or go through and write down with a list everything that drains you, everything that distracts you. It could be a broken light bulb, could be a junk drawer, it could be magazines that are stacked up that you've been meaning to get to. Take those things and get rid of them. If you just eliminated all that stuff, you're immediately going to be more mentally focused. You're going to have more energy, more clarity, and you'll start to feel inside you that inspiration, which means the spirit within coming back. Wow. That's mind-blowing. It's funny because I have a stack of books sitting here, and I'm thinking in the morning, I'm like, okay, the only thing I I do is I read one book, and I I usually journal in my moleskin. It's like I should just get that book off the bookshelf instead of having it on the desk. Absolutely. Absolutely. Get it? Because what's happening when you look at that book? What what mentally and emotionally happens to you? Well, if there's too too many of them, it's draining. I'm like, okay, what, which book do I even start with? Whereas if I go and just get the one I want to use off the bookshelf, there's no confusion. You got it. And then once you're done with it, either put it into a library, donate it to a friend, do whatever you have to, but you've got the information. See, we hold on to stuff because we think we're going to need it later. If you need it, go find it again. But don't clutter up your future with your past. 
the other piece is, so one of my coaches one time called me and he was moving from one house to another and he calls me from the U-Haul and uh, he goes, we got everything in here. We finally got out of the other house and I'm so excited about moving to this new environment. I said, that's great. Glad to hear it. I go, well, what are you doing? What are you going to fill the house with? And he goes, oh, well, we've got everything here in there and we're going to unpack as soon as we can. I go, hold on, wait a second. You and your wife are having challenges. You and your kids are stressed out of your out of your mind. Your finances have been a mess. Let me get this straight. You're going to take all of your old environments and junk up your new environments with all of your old anchors, all of your old environments? I thought you wanted to create a new life. He's like, wow, I never thought about it like that. And I go, you're dragging your past into your future because you're taking all of the old anchors, all of the old subconscious triggers, and you're moving them into your new house. Why would you do that? Interesting. Mm -hmm. So I'll share one other personal story um, kind of related to this. I started to change the color of the notebooks. I, I usually use black moleskin notebooks. And uh, a lot of that was basically connecting me to the past. And so I just changed the color of the notebooks and I changed the pens that I was writing with. <laughs> and what happened? Well, it, it definitely changed the writing. I mean, it definitely, you know, life isn't radically transformed now, but it looks like there's a lot of other environments that I have to work on. Yeah, there's there's an important key. And like I said, the, the environments is stuff that I usually take an hour just to, to show everybody the environments and then show them the detail behind them. But But the... The reality is this. You can't change just one environment and expect everything else to change because you've got all these other environments working against it. But what ends up happening is you can change one tiny little thing. You can clean up that little bit of clutter on your desk and immediately you start to feel a little better. And that gives you a little more energy. So what do you do next? You go over there and you, you take care of those books that are in the closet. Maybe you just organize them. Maybe you donate some of them, whatever it is. And now you got a little more energy. Then the next day you go down to your closet and you look through your closet and you say, you know what? I'm going to take every shirt and every pair of pants that I have not worn in the last six months and I'm going to take them out of the closet and see what happens. You free up all this space. I'm going to go through my email inbox and I'm going to, I'm going to delete every newsletter that isn't helping me get to my future. Mm -hmm. Okay. So you start building. Now what happens is as you redesign these environments, you get one of them that you've upgraded, then two, then three, then four, then five. Next thing you know, all of a sudden, hmm, you're starting to hang around with new people. You're starting to go to new places. Your, your bank account starts to look like a new environment. Right. And, and it creates a snowball effect until you get onto momentum. If you start putting only things in your environment that inspire you, if you become fanatical about designing environments, the environments will do the work for you. You don't have to use willpower anymore. The environments will pull you into a bigger game. The other piece I forgot to mention this is, is I moved from a bomb shelter to a beach house, literally a two story, all glass beach house on the edge of a cliff. A 200-foot cliff right here in Solano Beach, you could throw a rock from my bed into the water 200 feet down. We'd watch dolphins and whales and surfers every day. I'd watch the moon set on the ocean. It was incredible because what happened is when I was in that bomb shelter, when I finally realized that I needed to change my approach to life, I needed to focus on creating more value for more people, the next thing I realized is I have to upgrade my environment. I cannot be in a bomb shelter and live the life that I want. So for me, the first thing was to start putting myself around positive people again. Then I started building my business. Then I moved to the beach house. Then I bought my first Porsche. Then I'm blah, 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 right down the list. And it happens very quickly. I went from no income to six figures in less than 90 days. And the difference was is that we actually sustained it. 
And we continue to grow from that to the next company, to the next company, to the next company. And we still own the company that I started 15 years ago, but it's on autopilot because I look at a business as an environment. So I have a team that runs marketing. I have a team that runs sales and finance and operations. What do I do? I look at a report once a month. So that business is an environment. We own real estate. That's an environment. When you start building your wealth portfolio, all you're doing is plugging in environments. I want to own a piece of this. I want to own a piece of that. I want to own a piece of this. They're all environments. Does that make sense? That makes all the sense in the world. Before we continue with the episode, I want to tell you about how you can learn a bit more about the 90-day challenge that you'll hear about shortly. By visiting unmistakablegame.com, you'll get access to three free videos put together by Jim's company to help get you laser-focused and achieve your goals in 90 days. Again, that's unmistakablegame.com. Now let's get back to the episode. You have a 90-day challenge coming up for your company, right? So let's tell people about that uh, and, and kind of get, you know, and then we'll wrap things up. Sure thing. Yeah, a couple of times a year. We've designed well, a couple of times a year. We run what's called a live ninety-day challenge or ninety-day transformation. And what I realized is is that most people need an environment they can plug into because they don't have a positive, inspiring, challenging environment. So I, I stepped out one. I say stepped out. I stepped out of my normal business one day and I said, "What would it be like if I could design an environment that used technology and used transformation, like great content, great materials, and created a challenge, created a game." Uh, This is before everybody's doing it. We did this uh, almost 11 years ago. And I said, what if we could make it fun and inspiring to reach three goals over 90 days? One happy goal, one healthy goal, one wealthy goal. What if we taught people how to design environments? What if we became that environment? So yeah, we created a 90-day challenge. We run it live usually two times a year. Uh, We've got another one coming up. And it is one of the most transformational things. I've seen people that have dropped 10 to 50 pounds in 90 days. Uh, We teach a whole lesson on eliminating uh, clutter and clearing it. So for an hour, we teach you all of the areas of your life that you want to start eliminating. And people do it during the course. Right. We, uh, we we teach people about the nine environments. We teach people about uh, how they've been subconsciously programmed for success or failure. And we start teaching them your subconscious mind is an environment. So we look at it and we say, how can we help you redesign your subconscious mind so your success is automatic? You don't have to force yourself. You don't have to keep having the negative thinking. Here's the simple reality. You were programmed to be happy, healthy, and wealthy or to be unhappy, sick, and broke. If you look at the results, you know what you've been programmed with. If you're happy, healthy, and wealthy right now, your subconscious mind is in harmony with that. If you're unhappy, sick, or broke... That tells us that somewhere along the line, you've been conditioned or programmed by the environments to be unhappy, sick, or broke. So we submerge people for 90 days in a new way of thinking. You take three actions a day towards three goals. So those three actions end up being 180 focused actions over the course of 90 days. You can't help but change. So uh, that's it. We had people pay off debt. We've had people start up and launch new businesses. We had people that went from start starting writing a book to completely done and published in less than ninety days. And and, and we have we've done this with over fifteen thousand people in three languages in over seventy countries. So. It's a pretty amazing process. Like I said, we do it live twice a year. And I think, uh, you know, we'll send you guys a link or something so that you can inspire and encourage your audience to come play the game together. It's, it's a really fun community experience. 
it's live and interactive. It's not recorded videos and stuff like that. Uh, we have an online scorecard. There's prizes and badges and leaderboards and all that kind of stuff. So that's amazing. Uh, and as Jim mentioned, we'll we'll link it up in the show notes. Um, and I'll have mentioned it for you guys listening at the beginning uh, in the pre-roll. So make sure you go back and and listen for the URL. Also, I will be adding it to the newsletter, so that'll be one other place you can find out about it. Uh, Jim, I, I want to wrap with one final question. Uh, what do you think it is that makes somebody or something unmistakable? Well, my, my mind goes to two areas, uh, you know, and I think you're looking for the positive unmistakable yeah. <laughs> because there's unmistakable like, oh, my gosh, you know, that's that's a horrible thing. Like Osama um, bin Laden. Yeah, yeah, Osama bin Laden, Hitler. You know, you've got you've got some amazing people. A lot of people don't know this, Trini, but do you know what Hitler's passion was? No. His passion was actually art. Wow. Now, imagine had his art teacher, instead of telling him that he sucked at art, that he was going to be a complete failure, which, which later on they showed that actually was a major turning point in his life because that's what he was passionate about. That's what he loved to do. That was the gift he wanted to give to the world. Imagine had the right coach stepped in at that time and directed that powerful person to a new direction. Mm-hmm. What would have happened? So when you say, you know, unmistakable, um, I'm not sure if this is the right context, but I'll tell you what, for me, attracts me to people who I think are quote unquote unmistakable is people who are following their passions and living their values. Whether it's, you know, whether it's the guy that's, uh, you know, Chuck Woodman who has launched GoPro, who the reason he started the GoPro, which is right at the bottom of the hill here, you know, he started that because he wanted a better camera to track surfing. Right. So he said, I, w- I want to make a better camera that, that's waterproof, that, that doesn't shake, that's that. And it's grown into him becoming a billionaire and him, you know, doing some amazing things. So I look for people who are following their passions, who are living their values and who are in action towards their lives. There's a lot of people that, that you know, they got great ideas and this kind of thing. But if you're in motion, you're winning. I promise you that. Awesome. Well, hey, Jim, this has been just absolutely phenomenal, uh, as I expected it would be. Probably one of those interviews I'll be replaying multiple times just to get you know, all the nuggets out of it. I can't thank you enough for taking the time to join us and uh, share your insights and your story with our listeners. Srini, I'm, I'm super excited that you're putting this on because whether you realize it or not, you are an environment that they're plugging into. And everybody that you bring in here, you are cultivating a memetic or a meme that is going to help somebody in some way, shape, or form. So my hopes are that that you continue to do this, that you reach a lot more people, and that you give people a place to not just learn and to change their thinking, but a place for them to change their behaviors. Because that is truly it. If we understand that that thinking is one thing, but being and doing are another we got a we got a great big game. So any way I can help you or help your community, let me know. That's that's why we're here. We're you know we're in this game of life for a very short period of time, and I believe that our job is to help everybody play a bigger game. Awesome, and we will wrap the show with that. If you like what you heard, the greatest compliment you could give us is to share the show with a friend and let people know what you think by leaving a review on iTunes. Thanks for listening to the Unmistakable Creative. Wednesday on The Unmistakable Creative.
Joseph Campbell, the, the great mythologist Joseph Campbell, he said once, I think this is the great spiritual teaching. It's a man standing on a whale fishing for minnows. That's the tree. That's the tree. We are standing on the whale fishing for minnows. So how do we open up our lives and, and connect to that larger energy, that larger consciousness of, of, of everything? We revisit our conversation with El Luna, who talks to us all about her journey to the crossroads of should and must. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. Hi, I'm Una Chaplin, and I'm the host of a new podcast called Hollywood Exiles. It tells the story of how my grandfather, Charlie Chaplin, and many others were caught up in a campaign to root out communism in Hollywood. It's a story of glamour and scandal and political intrigue and a battle for the soul of a nation. Hollywood Exiles from CBC Podcasts and the BBC World Service. Find it wherever you get your podcasts. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com. Have you ever felt a twinge of worry about AI taking over your job or diluting your creativity? Well, what if you could turn that fear into creative fuel? We've just published an amazing new ebook called The Four Keys to Success in an AI World. And this is more than just a guide. It's a deep exploration into the human skills that AI can't touch. The skills that are essential for standing out and thriving, no matter how much technology evolved. We're talking about real differentiators here like creativity, emotional intelligence, critical thinking, and much more. Inside, you'll find actionable insights and strategies to develop these skills, whether you're a creative person, a business person, or just simply someone who loves personal development. This isn't a story about tech taking over. It's a story of human creativity thriving alongside AI. Picture this, AI as your creative co-pilot, not just as a tool, but a collaborator that enhances your unique human skills. The Four Keys ebook will show you exactly how to do that and view AI in a new way that empowers you instead of overshadows you. Transform your creative potential today. Head over to unmistakablecreative.com slash four keys. Use the number four, K-E-Y-S. That's unmistakablecreative.com slash four keys and download your free copy.